It's Monday. That means it's Cranes Day here at WJR. Mike Lee joining us, Cranes Detroit Business Managing Editor. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Marie. How are you? Hey, we're great. Uh, You've got several great articles in uh, Cranes this week, but I think the first one up is one of my favorite topics, and that is the prices people are paying for their health care. Like when you go to the hospital to have a procedure, what is it really costing you? Most of us don't ever know this information, but earlier this year that hospitals were starting to be required to post that information. But Cranes found some interesting things about how consumers are using that information or maybe not using it, Mike. Exactly. We've, we've, we've taken a look at this, and I think a lot of people don't know about this yet, but uh, at, at the beginning of the year, this is actually something that came out of Obamacare, and then later President Trump issued an executive order that forced hospitals to post uh, the prices that get paid for, uh, for for the care that they deliver, for for. Uh, the procedures that they do. Um, and it, at the beginning of this year, it got a little more complicated. They had to post the prices. I mean, they've, they've been posting some some price information for a while, but generally that was sort of the, the rack rate that nobody actually pays because insurance, you know, pays a different amount than you do. And if the uh, now the hospitals have to post what the various insurance companies pay them. You know, as an example, you know, a knee replacement, they not only have to post the cash price that an uninsured person would would be charged, but they also have to post what Blue Cross pays and what Priority Health pays, and you know the insurers negotiate their own prices, so they're they're really all over the place. Um, the idea here, back to the beginning, was that if if this this information is transparent, then people could could shop around and and look for a better deal. Um, so far, we, we talked to the health systems. There really aren't a lot of people using this information. You know, that a hospital, you know, a hospital might treat tens of thousands of people every year, and you know, they they've said, you know, several of them said they their their price comparison website have had a few hundred views uh, mm-hmm. from from patients. So you're, you're not seeing a whole lot of patients use it. You haven't seen it affect the prices particularly yet. If you look at up examples. Uh, again, coming back to the the knee replacement, we we found uh, prices at local hospitals ranging from twelve thousand dollars to almost fifty thousand um, dollars, which is a, a a pretty big difference. Um, one of the things that's emerging from this, and that might be of use to listeners, is is there are companies that are starting to aggregate all this information into into a single website, so you can search across all hospitals instead of going to an individual hospital one by one. Uh, one of them, which works pretty well, is is called Turquoise Health, which is uh, the URL turquoise.healthno.com. It, it's fairly easy to use considering how complicated this information is. You know, it, that, that knee replacement might have 50 different prices depending on who's mm-hmm. who's paying. So, uh, but that's, it, it, the hope is that, that eventually, you know, people will get used to this you know, obviously, many times you don't have a choice which hospital you go to in an emergency, but for a lot of things you do. Um, so I, I think I think getting people educated on in, in the habit of using this information uh, mm-hmm. is, is probably what needs to happen next. 
Mike Lee from Cranes kindly joining us this morning on the Paul W. Smith Show here on 760 WJR. You guys are following an interesting story out of Ann Arbor in regards to, I I guess, a new approach to drug and alcohol addiction treatment. Absolutely. It's a it's a it's a relatively new company out of Ann Arbor. Um, They they uh, they're they're taking drug and alcohol addiction treatment, as you said, and uh, converting it to uh, sort of an online model, a telehealth model. Um, the company's called Work It Health. Um, they have pretty big ambitions. They say they made the comparison. They want to be known as the, as the Weight Watchers of addiction treatment. Um, treatment is delivered almost entirely virtually. They have therapists and doctors that you access through an app. They do medication-assisted ex- treatment. Um, Kind of interesting, one of the founders said she was inspired to create the company by her own experience getting sober. The the, uh, the available options uh, for treatment are, are, you know, were limited. Um, there's the AA model, which has worked very well for many people. Um, inpatient treatment, which is very, very expensive. Um, uh, those have helped a lot of people, but they don't, they don't work for everybody. So they're offering this new model. What happened last week is this company has the attention of, of, uh, some big players in healthcare venture capital investors. Um, they, they invested more than a hundred million dollars into this company, which is one of the largest investments of its kind in, in, uh, in Michigan. Um, the investors included companies like CVS and, and Blue Cross. Um, they, uh, they, they kind of see the, the, uh, the pandemic has, has, has shown us that this telemedicine, telehealth care is the future. And this is bringing that model to, to addiction treatment. So I think you're going to see more businesses built on this kind of model and they have the potential to, to disrupt things. And, and Mike, you also are closely following Crane's forum section, is closely following the fallout from Ford's decision to put its $11 billion EV plant uh, investment in Kentucky and Tennessee. There's a lot of uh, uh, hurt feelings about that here in the metro area. So now you're looking at how the state is responding to lure companies to either stay here in Michigan or to come here to Michigan, but there are a lot of mistakes that you uh, that you're uncovering that we don't want to repeat here in Michigan. Sure, Ford's announcement was sort of a big uh-oh moment for Michigan because of the the auto industry is transforming to electric vehicles. Um, the the way those are are manufactured and made is different, and so there is a great fear of of, of losing our auto industry as this conversion happens. Um, one of the things, you know, one of the things that one of the tools in the state's toolbox is, is our tax incentives, tax breaks that companies get for locating here. Um, we looked at a, a similar uh-oh moment that happened back in the mid-90s when General Motors decided it was going to close its Willow Run assembly plant, mm-hmm. fueled a lot of the same fears. That ultimately led to the creation of the uh, of a grant program under a tax incentive program under Governor Angler called the Michigan Economic Growth Authority, MEGA, um, which gave away hundreds of millions in taxpayer dollars over long periods to, in many cases, just to keep jobs in Michigan that were already here. Um, it's a program that ended under Governor Snyder. Um, 
but it's when we're still paying for these these tax breaks are they're still are still out there and still uh, the companies are still benefiting from them. Um, we're seeing similar calls now for new tax money to be put toward that kind of business attraction. Um, Senator Ken Horn is, is is leading that charge to in, increase the amount that we're spending or to focus it. Others are pushing to focus it on site preparation. That was one of the uh, the big lures for Ford to Kentucky and Tennessee is this gigantic uh, sites were 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 prepared. They had you know the utilities and all the rest and basically what they call shovel ready. Um, so I think you're going to hear a lot more about this. There are also other factors that companies look for, an educated workforce, high quality of life that can keep that workforce living there, good schools um, that the state can look at that, you know, really benefit everybody. Um, and so I think this is going to be a pretty vigorous debate going forward. Mike, we have about a minute, but uh, quickly, two more uh, area malls going the way of the dodo bird, huh? I mean, uh, vestiges of our youth, they just keep falling. Not quite dead yet, but uh, a couple of couple of shopping malls have gone into receivership, which is a step into, into foreclosure. Um, Partridge Creek out in Clinton Township and Fairlane in Dearborn, um, that's been one of the one of the steps into oblivion for a lot of other shopping malls around here, like like Northland and Eastland. The malls are being managed by a company called Spinoso Real Estate, which also managed those others as, during uh, during their decline. Um, so, I mean, I suppose you could take this as not a not a positive sign for the future of the shopping mall. Mike Lee, Cranes Detroit Business Managing Editor, thanks as always for joining us. Such great topics to take a look ahead for here in our as we begin the last week in October. I'm Marie Osborne in with Sean Belegian for Paul W. Smith.